The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest crews, to the backwoods swamp at the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. Hey everyone, I'm Spencer Terry, General Manager and Equity Owner here at Beer Factory SLC in Salt Lake City, Utah, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Brett Hayes from Fear Fair, Indiana's scariest haunted house, and you're listening to the best source for information and news about the haunted attraction industry, The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> hey there, this is Cody from Hush Haunted Attraction, Westland, Michigan, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, this is Father Evil, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is J. Anthony Kozar from Kozar Studios, uh, champion of Face Off Season 4. You're listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. It's time for another great episode of The Big Scary Show. And boy, do we have another jam-packed show for you tonight. Yes, Badger is back with Deadline News. Find out what's going on with the industry. He's also got another great interview from the Transworld show floor with Santiago. Meat Hook Jim goes between the corpses, and we're going to find out what druids are up to. What are they doing in their shadowy druid ways, and... What's going on? That's between the corpses in this episode. Jonah has asked the old crone, and we're going to find out from some special guests about the relationship between actor and makeup artist and developing that haunt character. I've got the weirdest story you're going to hear and scariest for a haunt actor that you can imagine coming at you in Haunt Minute. And, of course, we have the Roundtable of Terror. All sorts of great things. We're talking the 
Haunted Traction Association Roundtable Chair. We have board members and uh, President Spencer, uh, Vice President Cody, and previous President Brett to talk about what the Haunted Traction Association offers, uh, all the neat things that they're doing for the industry right now, and just generally what's going on so you can be in the know and find out if you want to join or, or just know more about this uh, group. But it's a great conversation, and uh, we'll talk about you know past, present, and future, what um, the whole haunt industry's got going on. A lot of great conversation, once again, in the round table of terror. And what would a Big Scary Show episode be without some gruesome giveaway, some music, and all kinds of other amazing surprises? So that's right, let's associate. It's Big Scary Show, episode 261, coming at you right now. Midwest Haunters Convention returns to Chicago for a weekend of spooky thrills, chills, and fun. Join fellow haunters from all over as they descend on the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont, June 11th and 12th. There will be vendors, classes, workshops, seminars, a tour of the 13th floor haunted house, and don't forget the famous MHC costume ball. Don't forget the pre-convention haunted house bus tour on June 10th as they visit the Massacre, Basement of the Dead, Evil Intentions, and Disturbia Haunted Houses. These tours are legendary, and you should register today. Sign up for classes, buy tickets, and get more info for the 2022 Midwest Haunters Convention returning to Rosemont, Illinois, June 11th and 12th at MidwestHauntersConvention.com. That's MidwestHauntersConvention.com. The following announcement is a special bulletin, direct from American International. It may be too late. Our planet may be doomed. Armies have been alerted. The hotlines are in constant use. Civilization is in chaos. The monsters are in revolt. Now a direct report. This is Jay Webb in New York. Godzilla is laying waste to the city. The citizens have never known such fear. At the same time, Rodan is attacking Moscow. The city is alert for military action. In London, Manda is spreading horror in its path. And in the Far East, Peking trembles under the wrath of Mothra. We must destroy all monsters. Yes, destroy all monsters, or our civilization will be destroyed. Destroy all monsters is a motion picture. See for yourself. It really could happen. Destroy all monsters in color from American International is rated G for general audiences. Shadow Symphony. Shadow Symphony. Beneath, the dark. Beneath the dark. A big scary show exclusive.
Good evening. My name is Deadfield, the zombie butler. Visit me and all my friends here at vfxcreates.com and check out the new Putrid Pete, the zombie puppet. We have several new products that you might want to see. <laughs> see you soon at vfxcreates.com Music by Midnight Syndicate. Hello everyone, Drew Badger here. This is Deadline News for episode 261. And we're going to kick things off with this update to Crypticon coming to Seattle. We have a very special guest announcement. That's right, Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, will be joining us for her first personal appearance in over two years. Cassandra will be appearing Saturday and Sunday, May 21st and 22nd only, and this is not a costumed appearance. So get your tickets and more information right now at CrypticonSeattle.com. We have a little hiring news from the Factory of the Dead in Saginaw, Michigan. Do you love scaring people? Join our family. Come work at one of Michigan's best haunts. Factory of the Dead is looking for haunt scare actors and staff for the upcoming season. We have positions for all types of people, even non-scaring roles. Come have a great time with great people this Halloween season. We have available positions as actors, speaking and silent roles, puppeteers and animatronic operators, makeup, airbrush and SFX artists, outdoor performers and line entertainers, outdoor staff and security. Our haunted house dates are May 13th, Friday the 13th for our Lights Out special event, and September 16th through November 13th for our 2022 Halloween haunt season. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash factory of the dead. We have this from Creepy Hollow Haunted Attraction in Rocheron, Texas. Announcing our halfway to Halloween Friday the 13th weekend, all our houses will be open May 13th and 14th. Come get your scream on at the scariest house in Texas. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash creepyhollowhauntedhouse. We have this update to Days of the Dead coming to Chicago. It is with great excitement that we announce actor C.J. Graham to the guest roster for Days of the Dead Chicago, happening May 13th through the 15th at the Crown Plaza O'Hare. Graham is best known for his role as the iconic Jason in Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, co-starring alongside Tom Matthews in the fan-favorite sequel of the horror franchise. He also appeared in Alice's Coop, Alice Cooper's video for He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask, which was also used as a theme for the film. Aside from Friday the 13th, CJ's also appeared in Highway to Hell as the Hell Cop, and CJ will be appearing at Days of the Dead in full Jason Voorhees makeup and costume as seen in the movie for a very special pro photo op on Saturday only. He'll be appearing in Friday and, uh, Friday and Sunday as well, but just not in costume. Get tickets and more information at Days of the Dead. Com. We have this update from the Texas Frightmare Weekend coming to Dallas. 
We're honored to announce that Kim Henkel is making an extremely rare appearance at Texas Frightmare Weekend, April 29th through May 1st. Kim Henkel is an American screenwriter, director, producer, and actor, and best known as the co-writer of the classic 1974 horror film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Henkel both wrote and directed the sequel, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. He also wrote and co-produced the Eagle Pinnell classic, Last Night at the Alamo, as well as the adaptation for Toby Hooper's Eaten Alive. Henkel joins previously announced Texas Chainsaw Massacre guests John Dugan, Bill Vale, Alan Danziger, Ed Neal, and Ed Gwynn. Our tribute to one of the most important horror films ever made continues. We may still have several announcements to come, including TCM-related film screenings, including a Henkel co-directed documentary about the beloved Lou Perryman. Q&As, panels, and more info coming soon. Tickets are available now at TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. We have this from the Wicked Woods of Terror haunted attraction in Cairo, Michigan. The trail will be open again on Friday the 13th in May for one night only for our Friday the 13th special event. Tickets are up soon with extra options for that extra experience. This event you will need to book early. Don't miss your chance to have an extra scary Friday the 13th. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Wicked Woods of Terror. And finally, we have this news from the Nightmare on Chicago Street in Elgin, Illinois. We here at the City of Elgin Zombie Defense Initiative have pretty active imaginations. However, nothing in our past experience creating a safe zone for citizens prepared any of us for the last two years. The ZDI committee wants to acknowledge that we have heard the frustration and disappointment during these unprecedented times. Last week, the City of Elgin recommended to the City Council not to hold Nightmare on Chicago Street in 2022 and to defer its hopeful return to 2023. A number of reasons were cited, including increased costs, the need to raise ticket costs to offset them, and after a two-year hiatus, unpredictable attendance. Elgin's City Council voted 4-3 to accept this recommendation. Each year that we have hosted Nightmare on Chicago Street the day after the event, as we move out equipment, take down board ups, and sweep the streets, we have posted a message on Facebook asking for your thoughts and feedback, which we have then worked to incorporate into our next incarnation. Your voice, your constructive feedback, has always been and remains an important part of our process. We invite you to share your thoughts. We may not be able to personally reply to everything that folks share, but please know that we collect, read, and review everything you tell us. We are listening, so please send us feedback to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Nightmare on Chicago Street. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Broadcasting to you from the darkest regions of the Earth, this is a Haunt Minute.
And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so, in one of the weirdest stories I've ever seen, and probably the biggest example of the worst possible patrons you could possibly have at a haunt, we go to South Carolina this week, and we go to the Hollywood Wax Museum. And they have a haunted attraction there. Yay, haunted attraction, wax museum, all year Myrtle Beach. Yay, fun sun beaches. What could go wrong? Well, apparently a group went through a haunted attraction this week and got scared. Yay, that's what they're supposed to do. Good job for the haunt actor. Well, a gun falls to the floor, rolls across, across the floor, and hits one of the patrons in his uh, at his feet and you know this is a you know like a 39 40 year old guy this isn't like you know some little kid or something he picks up the gun and shoots the scare actor in the shoulder okay that's ridiculous that's wild that's crazy as it is this story just gets more weird and more crazy because right now the guy is only facing a charge of delinquency to a minor why because he handed the gun off to a kid thinking it was a prop that's why he shot the scare actor and then handed it to one of the teenagers in his group because he thought it was a prop and, and that's the only charge he's getting. Not discharging a gun, not shooting someone. Because apparently it's reasonable if you're in a haunted house that if you see a gun to think it's a prop and shoot at the actor. I mean, there's nothing that even says that. There's nothing that does that. It's not one of those, you know, it wasn't a shooting gallery. I mean, none of this makes sense. It almost... It, this is either giving haunts a really bad name and insanity for that, or it's like an episode of the A-Team, and they gotta come in and clear out the corrupt uh, sheriff there, because this makes no sense at all. So, yeah, watch yourselves out there, you know, check how it is, and, geez, tighten up security, because people are walking around tossing guns, and now people are using an excuse that, oh, I think it's a prop, so I'm gonna use it on an actor? Jeez! So until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. And ladies and gentlemen, let's see if you were listening very closely to our tremendous anniversary show last episode. Three hours of lots and lots of fun and stuff going on. But we did manage to slip a gruesome giveaway question in there for the month of April. And I'll tell you what, folks... 
a lot of you must have been listening to this show because we had at least double the normal amount of people entering the contest. I don't know if it was because it was our anniversary show or whether everybody just knew the answer. We'll find out in a moment because we selected a random person from that pile of entries. I believe we have them on the phone now. Random caller, what is your name? Where are you calling from? This is Tim Whittemore. I am in Willards, Maryland. Willards, Maryland. Is that on the? Is that considered Eastern Shore? It is. Yes, absolutely. Just uh, right in between Salisbury and the ocean. Excellent. I have flown into Salisbury. Pretty little area there. So it is neat. Very nice. Well, welcome, Tim. You know how this works. Um, let's find out if you are indeed the winner of the gruesome giveaway. I need to ask you a couple of quick legal questions. First, okay. Question number one. Have we contacted you in any way other than to tell you when to call in? No. Oh, good. Number two, have you tried to bribe us in any way to picking your entry? <laughs> no. <laughs> I like to hear that too because it's true. Anyway, Tim, Tim Whittemore of Willards, Maryland. Again, I, I never have the question in front of me. I don't know why. But if I remember correctly, the question was, during the interview with Ed Edmonds of Distortions, we were talking about his giant head prop, and Ed mentioned the name of a very famous Hollywood actor that provided the voice for that giant head. What was the name of that very famous Hollywood actor? Dick Van Dyke. And that is absolutely correct. He's 96 years old. From what I hear, he has a tremendous home haunt, is a huge fan of Halloween. And Dick Van Dyke was indeed the correct answer. So, Tim Whittemore, you are indeed the winner of the gruesome giveaway for April. <laughs> he just made my, my, not only my day, but my month. Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> and, of course, we couldn't do this without our very good friends at ScreamlineStudios.com who provide prizes all during the year for all this so folks you know if you didn't enter or if you did not win this month please enter again for next month because we will be doing another giveaway as we do every single month here on the show so uh tim you do a home haunt you work for a haunt you do anything in the industry i um i do my own halloween thing so i set up a mapped projection uh show that i create every year uh create a story do it with a dr seussian style kind of uh you know, rhyme scheme, and then create an animation or do the music, uh, the animation, and then create a whole show that maps on the side of the garage, and then that's triggered as the trick or treaters approach. And uh, just last year, I finally got the map done. Like, I built the whole projection, um, you know, the housing and the, uh, the all, all the bit for it. But then I build props that fit the theme. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then as they get their candy, um, they kind of leave around the back side of the house and come out kind of close to where they came in but now that gives me more room to uh really kind of you know try to put them into the the theme that i've created for the time so it's a constant thing of building props doing the stories you know now that i finally got the mapping done right uh, but anyway it's grown and, and last year was worked out really neat because there was a i'm not too far from the ballpark um at which they end up have a bunch of uh you know events or things that will happen and for halloween last year a couple nights before they were doing hay rides that would drive kids back and forth. Um, it was a haunted hay ride kind of thing, and so I had was out testing 
so I actually had uh, a thing that said uh, trick or treaters enter here, which is a little a little bit that plays just before the actual triggered animation. So everybody kind of saw it, and we ended up actually had uh, we had lines of people waiting to to get in and get their candy last year. So that worked really well. So I'm hoping if the weather's good, we'll do even bigger this year, and hopefully I won't have any candy left uh, that that I need to eat off uh, come uh, <laughs> November. That, that is the bane of our existence, leftover candy. Well, that just sounds like a lot of fun. Um, if you will hold on the line so we can get some shipping information from you, and I once again want to thank StreamlineStudios.com for providing some fantastic prizes and giveaways every month here on the Gruesome Giveaway. So once again, our winner, Tim Whittemore of Willards, Maryland. Congratulations once again. Thank you, Screamline Studios. Again, folks, if you did not win this month, you can try again and possibly be a winner, just like Tim, in the month of May. Once again, folks, thank you, Screamline Studios. And this is... Thank you, thank you. And this is The Big Scary Show. <laughs> Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time, it's time for Between, for between the, the Corpses. corpses. Greetings, listeners. On this episode of Between the Corpses, we are going to continue with torture and execution, and we are talking about the Druids. The Druids wielded immense power, even over the kings in nominal control of, of Celtic tribes, and were universally feared. For a thousand years, either side of the birth of Christ, they defined themselves as the guardians of law and nature, using divination, ritual, and sacrifice to cement their social standing. Of all the methods of punishment credited to the Druids, the most notorious is the Wicker Man. These giant wooden straw cages made in the shape of men were filled with people and animals before set being set alight. According to Julius Caesar, writing about Gaul in 44 BC, the priests preferred to use criminals as convenient sacrificial victims, but if none could be found, innocent people would be consecrated for the job. In his De Bello Gallico, Caesar wrote, All the people of Gaul are completely devoted to religion, and for this reason, those who are greatly affected by diseases and in the dangers of battle either sacrifice human victims or vow to do so using the Druids as administrators to these sacrifices, since it is judged that unless for a man's life a man's life is given back, the will of the immortal gods cannot be plated. In public affairs, they have instituted the same kind of sacrifice. Others have effigies of great size interwoven with twigs, the limbs of which are filled with living people, which are set on fire from below, and the people are deprived of life surrounded by flames. Another classical author, Strabo, wrote in the Geography that the Celts would impale people in their temples 
and strike a man who had been consecrated for sacrifice in the back with a sword and make prophecies based on his death spasms. And they would not sacrifice without the presence of the Druids. There was little doubt that it was in Roman interest to demonize the Druids. Caesar needed to boost political support for his military campaigns in Gaul. And what better way to manipulate opinion than to recount the bloodthirsty activities of Celtic tribes threatening the borders of the empire? The historian Cornelius Tacitus' account of the Roman attack on Anglesey, a Druid stronghold in North Wales, was in keeping with the stance. He reported altars soaked with human blood, but one wonders how he could be so sure since animal sacrifices were almost certainly more common in Druid rituals. The fact that these classical accounts could be treated with skepticism is not to suggest that the Druids were victims of propaganda. Wickerman executions are included in the Celtic myths. The Welsh Mabinogi, for instance, refers to men being herded into a wooden prison specifically constructed for incineration. And the Celtic deity Taranis was said to have appeased by the burning of sacrifice. Even more persuasive is the archaeological record. Apart from the bog bodies, there has been evidence of dedicatory, sacri- dedicatory sacrifices in which living people, particularly children, were interred in the foundations of new buildings. Traces of human blood and flesh were found on a pole at the bottom of a late Iron Age shaft at Holzenhausen, Bavaria, apparently for impaling victims. One of the most sickening examples of this mode of death was found in Garton Slack, Yorkshire, England, where a man and a pregnant woman were found huddled together in a pit, their arms pinned together by a stake. Well, don't piss off the Druids. Catch you on the next show. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, as we start our second decade of haunt broadcasting, podcasting, whatever you want to call it, we thought we'd bring in some heavy hitters to kick things off and talk about what else 
haunted attractions. After all, this is a haunted attraction podcast. And have we, and as we have done for the past 10 years or so, we have called ourselves an industry podcast, speaking about the haunted attraction industry and such. So why not talk about the haunted attraction association? We talked to the president of the HAA at Transworld. I believe he was on the last show, but had so much to talk about. We had to bring in some members of the board or the Haunted Attraction Association, talk about the state of the industry, why you as a haunted house owner should join, and some of the challenges that we may be looking forward to this season. You know, there's still that pesky COVID hanging around. There are certain international incidents going on that may or may not affect your haunted attraction this year. So, we do want to talk about these things and probably many other things as well. But let's introduce our guests for this evening out in Salt Lake City, Utah, the, the general manager, I believe, of the Fear Factory, SLC, and president of the HAA. We have Spencer Terry with us. Spencer, how are you, sir? I'm well, sir. Good to be with all of you again. It is uh, good to see you. You know, glad we could catch up at Transworld and... Uh, I need the recipe for that chai. That was that was something. It's we'll we'll talk amazing. about. Glad you like yeah, it. we'll we'll talk about that off the air. Sounds um, good. Up, yeah, up in the Westland, Michigan area, with Hush Haunted Attraction, we have the vice president, I believe, of the HAA, Cody Bailey. Are you there, sir? Um, yeah. Uh, it's great to have you, sir. Welcome, first timer on the show. Glad you're here. And we have a former president of the Haunted Attractions Association, Mr. Brett Hayes with Fear Fair in Seymour, Indiana. Brett, how are you, sir? Greetings. I am doing well. It is great to have you back on the show to talk about this very important topic, as well as our regular hosts, including up in Rhode Island, we have Storm. Greetings from the land of party pizza. And if you're not born in Rhode Island, you'd know that it is neither party or a pizza. We'll talk about that off. Google here. it. Uh, I, I shall. Down in Cincinnati, Ohio, we have Meat Hook Jim. Snowing here today. Gotta love April weather. Down in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, somebody who actually is a member of the HAA with her haunt, Banshee Manor, we have the old crone, Jonna. Hello, gentlemen. Great to have you with us. My name is Drew Badger in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yesterday it was 80. Today it is 50. My allergies are giving me fits. And unfortunately, I can only drink tea and not chai. But we will talk about that later. But let's talk about the Haunted Attraction Association. Spencer, we saw you at Transworld. We touched on a lot of things as to why it's an important thing for Haunted Attraction owners to be a part of. And um, you recently released the 2020, I guess, 2021, 2022 state of the industry. How is the industry as a whole? Well, the good news is um, <clears throat> we're not only good, but we're great. Uh, it's been really great just to see, you know, the last year or two has been pretty tricky. It's been really tough. Um, I think a lot of us were, um, we're concerned, but uh, it's nice to see those numbers moving in a very better, opposite, and increased direction. And of course, that paid off for our vendors as well at Transworld. We uh, vendors had a year that they don't think they've ever seen before. So it's nice to see 
how money from haunted houses is being made and that's getting passed on to vendors. So overall, good overall in the industry um, from the home haunt side uh, during COVID, obviously home haunts weren't so, um, the, the, you know, there were some states that were literally saying, no, you can't trick or treat. We're seeing that come back full speed ahead as well. Um, there's more money being spent on Halloween than there is on Christmas. And we're really excited about that. Is that something that just recently happened in the year or two about as far as Halloween spending outspending Christmas? Yeah. So just recently um, from the consumer index, um, when we look at the numbers, uh, there's more people decorating for Halloween and throwing parties for Halloween, candy, obviously haunted houses are a big part of that. Um, it's, it's pretty exciting to see. So we, uh, it depends on who you ask. There's some people who say, well, it's not quite there yet. And there's other people who say, nope, it's surpassed. So we're always excited to know that if it's neck and neck, you know, I, I'll always take a good, healthy competition. So uh, we'll take, we'll take Christmas uh, to task any day of the year. And that is a good thing because some of us just don't celebrate Christmas like we do Halloween, right? Right. Through that. So for somebody who is a home haunter and maybe interested in going pro like Jana was at one point, yeah. or if I'm a small, medium or large scale haunted attraction and I'm not a member of the HAA, um, why should I be? Or even if I'm not an owner. Yeah. Um, you know, there is, there is a million reasons why to boil it down to the basic return on investment. Um, you know, even as a home haunt that goes pro, you know, basic level membership is 50 bucks for an entire year. That's it. It goes up to $125 if you're making uh, under $100,000 in revenue, which is a majority of, of folks. And then it's $250 if you're above $100,000 a year. And um, that said, you know, you're talking a couple hundred bucks for the year. The resources, on the other hand, are almost six, seven, eight, nine. If people are literally starting their own company and moving from a home haunt to a pro haunt, you're looking at almost ten plus thousand dollars worth of resources. Um, there's a lot of a, a lot of connections that are there. We put together a very inclusive uh, online Facebook group so that you can reach out, ask questions, talk to other members, have better access to the board. Um, we've really diversified our board of directors as well. It's not just operators um, and owner or owner specific. We now have operators as well, and of course various sizes of attractions too. Uh, we just brought on a few extra folks this year who are very new to the um, from moving from home to pro like they've done that within the last few years. And so we really are trying to diversify, make sure that we've got the right people, the right skills, um, the right availability to be able to chat with folks and, and help people along the way and give them some suggestions. And, you know, Cody's going to be talking a little bit later about this resource library um, that he spent almost four months just building and really kind of re-stratifying it to where you can literally type in ADA and all of the articles or all the videos come up with that or, you know, whatever that content is, it's easy and it's searchable. And then we also, I mean, there's, we have these advisory committees and we have a legal advisory committee, which Brett is going to be able to talk about as a past president and our chair for the legal advisory committee. We have, um, we're actually getting ready to build our own home haunt advisory committee as well for folks that are making that transition. There's um, a marketing committee. There's just, there's a lot. There's so many things that are there. And of course, if you're a member, then you're also able to be awarded. You, we have our Top Haunts program. That's getting some really exciting new updates as well. So that Top Haunts isn't just for mega attractions. 
Uh, we're going to do a very um, a very tiered version of that for um, for smaller attractions as well, which we're really excited. That's going to roll out at the end of 2023. And um, sheesh, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. We've uh, we've been very busy the last couple of years, um, and things have been slowly evolving. And we're we're really excited with where things are at. Members are telling us the same thing, so we're we're happy to be here. We're happy to do what we can for the industry and to help make the industry stronger. Nice. Now, Jana, you are a member of the HAA with your haunt, Banshee Manor. Has it benefited you? Have the, uh, as like he mentioned, the return on investment, has it been worth it to you? And and what kind of resources have you used? Well, I have, the first one I used was, um, as I've shared with our listeners, whenever I had the issue come up with a service animal. And it was great to be able to reach out to the legal department and get some advice on that and uh, feel a lot more confident on how to handle that if it comes up again in the future. Um, the resource library is great. Um, but I, I want to mention a misconception that I had that prevented me from joining the HAA that I'll, I want to address real quick. I kind of had the feeling like, oh, this is just for the big boys. That little old me, you know, haunt um, in Northwest Arkansas I'm not going to get any benefit out of it, that this is this is all for the big boys to kind of clap each other on the back and say, good job. And I can tell you that I was very, very mistaken. It is definitely not that there is uh, resources and good things for everybody, um, all sizes of haunts and all degrees of level and uh, business and everything. And so I'm really happy that I joined the HAA and I would encourage anybody to join it as well. And um, because I've not been a member that long, but just in the short time I have been a member, member, the resources have been fabulous. And I'm looking forward to learning more about what's available and utilizing those. I'm curious about these resources. And I know that, um, you know, Spencer just mentioned Cody talking about the resource library. Cody has spent a lot of time building this library. What are some of the things that the resource library accesses? What can somebody use it for? How does it benefit haunted house owners in general? Yeah, so um, DHA has had resources for years up there, but before it was just a lengthy list of things that you really couldn't find um, easily. So first was going through those, seeing what were still relevant, what wasn't. Um, organizing it by categories. And then we wanted to add a whole bunch more stuff. Um, one of the main things that's in there is Spencer provided us with a entire template. I think it's like over a hundred pages um, employee handbook. So that's something that uh, attractions can get if they're members and grab it and plug and play all their information for their attraction in there. Um, it has a lot of the legal stuff in there that you need in a handbook when you're opening attractions, sexual harassment policies, um, discrimination policies, all that stuff. So I think that's probably one of the best items in there. But on top of that, um, we go from into operational aspects. Uh, there's things uh, from various government agencies in the U.S. and outside for uh, uh, screening patrons, the proper ways to do that, the proper ways to uh, you know be alert for things, how to handle uh, something that's becoming more and more common, mass shootings. And I think uh, it's important that we all are somewhat prepared for that kind of scenario to ever happen. Um, and we're going to continue adding to it and growing it over the year. 
So as far as, you know, if I'm a haunt owner and I need to know about ADA requirements or if I need to know the, you know, the correct and, you know, sensitive way to pat down a customer, is that something or is that, are those things that are addressed in here? Yep. Yeah. All those things are uh, in there. Like I said, there's a, there's a several items on screening for security, um, paying down for using metal detectors and so on. Well, you know, things that you don't think of, you know, most people either you, you get a wand waved over you or something, but I, I've never really thought about it has, you know, what are some of the, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, what are some of the more popular searches that people are using this library to find? I don't have that data, um, but from conversations I've had with people, obviously the handbook was a big one. The screening practices were big ones. And then also just some of the more basic items that we've had for years, which are, uh, you know, incident report forms that are already pre-made, ready to go. Okay. As you know, we, we all dread those incidents and, and having been an actor for many years, I've, I've had to, you know, report an incident or two in my life and, is there like a standard template that you guys are now using or is that just something that kind of varies from haunt to haunt? Yeah, I think an incident report's a very standard item. Most insurance companies share the same ones because that's the key is you want to make sure you get everything that insurance will want in case something does happen later on. Okay, interesting. I've I've always, as, as a manager in my professional life, I've always tried to have something I call a bus book. If I get hit by a bus, this is what my staff needs to know to be able to, to run in my absence. And I've always wanted to have something similar to that for my haunt, but one just never really got around to it. And two, there was a lot of stuff I didn't know where to start because of how it applied to a haunt. And um, so now that I have the resources from um, the HAA, I now have a handbook that I started last year using and now I'm, I'm putting together a full standard operating procedure manual for the haunt. And that will be, you know, basically uh, my bus book um, because, you know, someday something might happen and I might be gone or, you know, tending to something else. And, and I like that I can finally have all the information I need to be able to put that together just out of the resource library and just customize it to, to my haunt. Uh, Brett, as far as the uh, legal advisory council, you know, our, you know, haunts, I assume, have their share of legal issues every year. How is how is the HAA prepared or able to back up people that may have a maybe a discrimination claim or a, an injury, sure. whether real or imagined or otherwise? Well, it's actually multifold. Um, we uh, as Cody was talking about the resource directory, one of our big projects in the coming year is to add many more legal forms and resources to that directory. Uh, one of our new members of the legal advisory committee, Brent Wilson, who's from Planet Doom in Idaho, has a, we're really, well, and let me give you a little background. We're really blessed that we have a really broad spectrum of attorneys on, on the committee now that all come from different uh, areas of private practice. And so we have really different skill sets. Uh, Brent has done tons of commercial real estate work and uh, is writes leases every day. So we're working on a template lease uh, because so many people go out and they're looking for a location and uh, they get either they get presented with a lease from someone and they want to know if this thing is fair or looks good. Or uh, sometimes 
it's somebody that hasn't even thought about renting the property and they ask you to come up with an agreement. Uh, we want to have that sort of thing available. Uh, and it's myself, Jim Stark, uh, Matt Murphy, who's from Wraith House in California, Randy Young from Fort Wayne, and uh, of course, Pete Carlowitz Niles. And we, we generate and uh, build out uh, forms and resources for the members for them to be able to use. And then the other thing is sort of more from a crisis management aspect. We're available, as John mentioned, to the membership. If they have a legal issue arise, uh, they can email in, they can make contact. Uh, I will then take that request. I'll figure out which of the members of the committee that really falls into their bailiwick, although we do all collaborate. And uh, we'll try to, within 24 hours, get them an answer or get them some kind of assistance or at least get them pointed in the right direction. So the legal committee serves two purposes, one crisis management and the other more proactive generating forms and materials that can be of use to the members. Um, is there a trend for um, particular haunt issues? I mean, are, are more people complaining about haunts for, you know, mask requirements or for injuries they're, they're or perceived injuries or what, what are the biggest issues that a, Maybe somebody that's getting ready to start a haunt might, you know, hate to say look forward to, but at least should probably expect from a legal standpoint from the customer well, I mean, versus, th versus them. There certainly was a lot of that during sort of the thick of the pandemic and uh, people trying to understand their, you know, COVID was handled very unevenly in the United States, as everyone's aware. And so all of these multiple different jurisdictions and health departments and, and regional, you know, civic governments, whatever, had all these different rules. And so there was a lot of trying to help people sort out uh, the administrative rules that they were working under. But hopefully we're, we're putting that behind us. Um, you know, the big, you know, the big two or three are obviously we just talked about incident reports and how to deal with any injuries or liability related issues. Uh, the other would be business issues such as leases. If a lot of people get involved with a nonprofit and uh, need an agreement worked out as far as revenue sharing or how that's going to work. And then probably the other area uh, would be just all the random different things that come up, zoning issues. Uh, you know, the zoning board is going to change my zoning and shut me down. What are my options there? Um, those kinds of things. So, Really, you know, real estate and property issues, uh, liability issues, and then all the random things that pop up. One thing I hear about when I talk to haunted attraction owners around the country and they have that issue is a lot of jurisdictions don't know how to classify a haunted attraction. Is it a seasonal entertainment enter entity? Is it an amusement park? Is it something else? Is there any kind of a standard that can be applied to jurisdictions and say here's what we call a haunted attraction maybe you should you know apply this to your local codes i think that's one of the things the committee ought to be working on is some sort of a document people can present because i can tell you uh covid absolutely highlighted that uh i don't know of any state that knew what to do with haunted houses in covid they certainly had plans for, you know, here's how a concert venue is going to be allowed to operate. Here's how a grocery store is going to be allowed to operate. 
but they did not have a clue uh, how to address or handle haunted houses. So I think uh, that's not something we have available right now, but I think that's something we definitely should put at the top of the list to work on is to help educate local jurisdictions. Absolutely. And speaking of COVID, um, a couple of years ago when this thing really started shutting everything down, um, we, we should probably bring this up that Fear Factory SLC and Spencer Terry was very much responsible for the creation of a COVID handbook. And before the show began, before the roundtable began, we were talking about that, Spencer. How many different haunted attractions literally across the world and other businesses have taken advantage of that handbook that you have? And, and how can people get a copy of that? Yeah, it's, you know, I, uh, it's one of those things where you don't really know your impact until, uh, until years down the road. But John is right. John's hand went up um, for the folks that can't see. And, uh, and certainly they, it w- they just go up all over the place. Um, we're over 1,500 people who have actually downloaded um, and used it in some capacity. Uh, we still hear every now and then, we haven't heard, had one for a few months now, but Usually every now and then we would hear, we'd actually get an email that said, Hey, you know, thanks for this. I'm in Australia or I'm in Vancouver or I'm in uh, someone that was in Abu Dhabi. Um, folks from all over the world who uh, picked up from it somewhere, they heard about it and they were able to take parts of it or all of it, take that to their operating government and say, listen, I know you're telling us, no, this is how they've done it. It was a yes. Can we please do it? If we say we do it by the, by the book, by this. And, it's been really exciting just to know that, um, you know, we knew that at the end of the day, this was something that was going to probably break our industry. And we had to either figure out a way to stay open or at least stay open with, you know, with jumping through some hoops. So I'm happy that it was beneficial. Um, you know, as owners, we all talk about how important it is to be able to share our content and make the industry better. And I think that's part of what makes HAA so great is that we have members who are willing to share and to take a minute to you know, walk through someone like, Hey, here's what I did, or here's my contact, or here's the resource. And that's been really valuable um, to not only our industry and our members, but globally. So we're, we're happy to have done it. Um, We haven't really had to touch the plan for about a year at this point. And I think we're, we're all kind of excited just to let it go and let it kind of do its own thing. Now, have you heard, have there been any type of um, I hate to say the term outbreaks, but have any of the uh, spreader events happened at haunted attractions that you're aware of? I mean, I have not heard of anything happening from trans world, whether or not, you know, a lot of people got sick or anything, there was hand sanitizer everywhere. And, yeah. you know, masks were obviously optional at, the, at this year, but um, last year when they were not optional, I did not hear of any widespread outbreak as a result of the trade show. And, and, you know, how was it this year? Were any haunts responsible for small little outbreaks of COVID in their areas that you were aware of? I definitely had not heard of anything. Um, nothing specific. I don't have even any data to pull from. Uh, what I can tell you is, you know, in May of 2020, we were open at Fear Factory. We had 45,000 people on our property um, in May. And then again, in September and October, and uh, we, we traced everything. We worked very closely with the health department. We didn't have a single traceable case that came back to our property specifically. And from what I heard across the nation, I mean, you know, we, we had a couple of staff who came down with COVID because it happened outside of our bubble. 
We then had to let them quarantine, <clears throat> do their own thing. And then we, they came back to work to finish out the season, but I didn't hear of a single haunted house that was any kind of a super spreader. I think in general, um, a lot of the haunts took it as serious as they could, um, or had to do. And, um, and, you know, I think we also have a lot of haunts, you know, to, to look at trans world, for example, I think Jen and Rich did a phenomenal job of, of, you know, making it optional, following the guidelines, but we also have, you know, our, we have a very multi-generational, um, constituency of the industry. And so I think as part of that, whether you're a vendor or you're a buyer, you're an operator, your makeup whatever you are, we're all coming into that space. And I think a lot of people said, you know, how do I better respect people in their bubble? You know, if you want to wear a mask, cool, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear one, cool, don't wear one, but let's get together. Let's make some money. Let's have some fun. Let's see some familiar faces. And, and uh, that was really, I think, I think that was fantastic to see the spirits uh, kind of coming back of the industry, no pun intended, but I'm bummed. I want to remind you, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. We are talking about the Haunted Attraction Association with President Spencer Terry, Vice President Cody Bailey, former President Brett Hayes, our usual co-host. We're going to take a very short break here to welcome our brand new sponsor, Haunt Pay. I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show, and I apologize to Alex for that. But please listen to this very important message from Haunt Pay, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And we're back to the round table of terror, very proudly sponsored by Haunt Pay for time ticketing and virtual queues and so much more. Be sure to visit hauntpay.com the very fine sponsor of the Round Table of Terror. Now, during the break, we were discussing a few things. And Jim, I think you had a question coming out of the break. Yeah, um, my question is, uh, how has HHA, HAA ugh, handled the whole COVID situation over the past two years? I mean, I know you guys have been working hard. So so what's the skinny? What what'd you guys do? Yeah, from a um, Jim, from a COVID perspective, um, you know, obviously making sure folks had the plan that they were able to use it as needed in their areas um, and be able to then open uh, for the next year and even two years as we now, you know, move through into 2021. Um, and I think we also during that time of, of releasing that, you know, we we noticed we've always known that there were some other areas that we could um we could get more resources, get more uh, content out there. And as we rolled out an industry uh, survey that happened at the end of 2020, we realized very quickly that there was an opportunity to do a lot more work than even we as a board thought was needed. And so uh, we took all of that data from not only the industry-wide survey, but then also specifically from members themselves. We took all of that data and we created a three-year strategic plan. Uh, we had a steering committee uh, that um, pretty much reviewed just 
just tons of data. Brett was Brett Hayes um, that's joined today. He was on that committee and it was a lot of work. Um, but that that was an opportunity for us that I think really illuminated some new areas of opportunity for us. And so because of that, we then developed this three-year strategic plan that was unveiled last year. Uh, that three, three-year strategic plan has uh, been affectionately nicknamed HAA 2.0. And uh, that allowed us to really roll out some very strategic measures that we knew the industry and that the members wanted and in many cases needed. So just like the COVID plan, we knew it was something that was urgent and was needed. And so we've taken all of those things and we've put them into action plans. So, you know, Cody was mentioning earlier about this resource library. We knew we had a really good resource library but how do we make it greater? How do we do some really big things? Um, the same thing with trainings and resources that were available. Um, there was a lot of things I think out there that we specifically had, you know, members of the community, uh, members of our industry had reached out to us uh, to, to say, hey, you know, we could use some training or some insights or some knowledge in X, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, for example, we, we, we launched a very... Um, I think it's a, I think it's a 90 minute sexual harassment training that we actually worked with a consultant who is a, uh, he's a lawyer, he's a police officer, he's a sexual harassment trainer, uh, and he happens to be someone who loves haunted houses. And so we partnered with him. Uh, he's, he lives in Las Vegas, reached out and just said, Hey, listen, we'd like to do this training. Uh, he trained our staff here at Fair Factory in Salt Lake City. And so he, he volunteered to do a $3,000 training for free. And uh, we were not only able to do that for free, but we we're able to tape it, record it, and share that online. So all industry folks, both members and non-members, could have this tool available to them. Because we realized that sexual harassment is something that, as an entertainment industry in general, not just haunted houses, but in general entertainment, it's an issue. And so rather than just keeping this training specifically for members only, which granted we have a lot of other trainings that are specific to members, this one we decided to give that to the entire industry. Um, so literally uh, haunted houses now can get their crew together. Maybe it's their leadership team, their management team, or maybe it's their whole staff to sit down and do a 90 minute training on sexual harassment. Talk about that afterwards, but not only, not only just watch a video and call it a day, but then as Cody mentioned, we, um, we have in an HR document, it's essentially a handbook that all haunted houses can then use as members. It's literally a cut, copy, and paste template where you put your information in, but there is at least five or six pages of a sexual harassment policy. So you're not only able to get the training, but you also have the policy that backs up that training so that it's literally a cut, copy, paste, and really just plug and play um, tools that are available to members. So it's been, uh, it's been a really busy year or two. Um, we're really excited with how we have been able to understand better what the industry and what members need, but then also looking at how we're able to meet that, those needs. And, you know, there's a lot more coming down the line as we get ready for um, one of the things that Cody's been working on uh, for the last few months, which is not just another industry-wide survey, but it's something specific that will hopefully in a few months, we'll be able to have some really great knowledge about how do I grow my haunt? What's the cost of, um, you know, be, what, growing it per square foot? How many actors do I need? All of those things I think are going to be key components in how you grow your haunt. Maybe it's from going from home haunt to pro or from, you know, a small attraction to a medium or a large attraction. But 
those are all really, really great tools um, that have allowed us over the last year to really, really make a big impact. So we're, we're excited. You know, it's been really exciting, even as members are telling us how, how much more they feel like they're getting from the association. That tells us that we're on the right track. We're doing the right thing and we need to keep it up. So you know, it's been a big few nice. years. I got to say that uh, being in this industry in some way, shape or form for way too long, it's refreshing to see all the planning and time that goes into haunts nowadays, as opposed to 20 to 30 years ago. I mean, you guys have a plan. You've got goals. You've got statistics you need to get. I love this. I mean, it makes so much more sense than it did, like I said, 20 years ago. Yeah, I think evolution is a beautiful thing. And certainly, you know, what's going to happen in 20 more years is we're all going to say, I don't know what the heck we were doing, but we need to get our act together. But at least for right now, we know it's what folks need. So that's what matters most. Absolutely. And and the fact that you've got this uh, sexual harassment class for free just shows you the um, the passion that some people have for the industry. Absolutely. Mike, I couldn't agree I more. Think, I think one of the common denominators among haunted houses is, you know, the vast majority of haunted houses are out there aren't some uh, large corporation with a lot of resources and tons of years of experience in business decide to start a haunted house. Uh, these are folks who were either home haunters or come from whatever walk of life and started this haunted house. And if they're successful within a few years, find themselves in some really uncharted territory where they're concerned. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're dealing with issues that they never would have dreamt of. I mean, I, I'm sure that when Jonna, started her home haunt and, and, and went pro sexual harassment probably wasn't even on the radar as an issue to deal with. But I can tell you that anyone who's been at it for a few years, it's come up uh, partially because we have a lot of folks who maybe aren't from a professional background or whatever that get put into these roles uh, that have, you know, they've never gotten that training anywhere else or they, they don't know how to conduct themselves because of that. Uh, so that's where I think the HA really, as opposed to some, you know, industries where industries are very mature and most of the people in the industry are companies that have been in business for years. I think the haunted house industry needs an association a lot worse than a lot of other industries because so few of the players have access to those resources. Um, and so that's, I think that's great. And I think the, the uh, sexual harassment issue really underlines that because that's something no one thought of when they decided to start a haunted house, but everyone's going to end up dealing with sooner or later. And that's where the HA really slots in nicely and can, can address those needs. As an actor trainer, who's been training roughly now for, Oh gosh, 17 years. Um, I have to say that I've been teaching, you know, what happens if there is a, shall we say, sexual harassment incident. And there does not seem to be a standard as far as, you know, what's, what's legal in this state is not necessarily legal in that state or, or otherwise. And, and nowadays there is, there, there seems to be, you know, if you touch somebody inappropriately, you know, it, it's not just necessarily you're kicked out. There is law enforcement involved in a lot of cases and things depending on the severity of it. So you know, back in the early 2000s, it just wasn't a thing. You had a lot of, 
actresses that would wear the fishnets and the tiny, you know, outfits and the corsets and all. And, and people would be like, Ooh, I've paid my money. So, you know, I'm going to grope away. Well, you know, thankfully attitudes have been changing, but unfortunately it's still something that, uh, that people have to watch out for. Well, yeah, there's that aspect from the customer side. And I don't think you'll find anybody who's been running a haunt for five years or longer, who hasn't had that moment when someone comes to them and said, you know, a lot of the actresses are a little uncomfortable around so-and-so, you know, and uh, that's a really, oh crap moment. If you're not prepared to deal with that and you don't know how to address it. Right. And, you're also and dealing of- with a lot of different ages too. You know, you, you know, I don't use uh, teenagers in my haunt um, at the time I have in the past. And whenever you're dealing with teenagers who are suddenly thrown in, in an environment with a bunch of adults, it's, I'm not saying it's necessarily, necessarily sexually um, an issue, but there is a different um, behavior code. And so you have to be aware to uh, make sure you're protecting all of your staff members, not just from the crowds, but also from your staff, unfortunately. Good point. Cody, um, regarding some of the uh, resource library, um, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be just sexual harassment and things, but I'm curious, where are you getting a lot of the resources for this library? Are they coming from like state statutes? Are they coming from haunt owners? Are they coming from, you know, other sources? How, how are you building this? How are you getting all this information for the library? Uh, all of the above. Um, a lot of it comes <laughs> from state government agencies, federal agencies, um, some of it, uh, like some of the mass shooting resources are actually from the UK. Uh, we also, you know, I'm a member of IAPA and they have a very robust resource library that's free to anyone to use, even member or not member. Um, and there's stuff on there that we've been able to also tie together with ours that they found from other state um, agencies. And yeah, it's just kind of a wide array of sources. And, and I think the goal, Drew, is for more of that to come from within. I know one of the objectives we have with the legal community is we're going to be reaching out to the members and uh, asking them, do you have a lease that has worked out really great for you? Or do you have various legal documents that have been important to you or saved your butt at some point? And uh, as the legal committee, we're going to parse through those and figure out which of those would be good to publish back out to the rest of the membership, sort of best practices sort of stuff. Just like uh, Spencer's COVID plan that was such a benefit to the whole industry. There are all kinds of those awesome little nuggets out there among the membership that we can mine and then make available to the rest of the rest of the membership. And in some instances, the whole industry. Now, when it comes to real estate um, issues, leases um, and things like that, the rules are going to vary between the different states. So is your legal team actually able to go in and say, okay, well, let me look at, for example, Arkansas and see what you would need to do in Arkansas? In some cases, uh, because we're all actually in a state. (laughs) And so we're, we're familiar obviously with our state and, uh, and in the cases of someone like Brent, he deals with clients from multiple states. So it's a hit or miss kind of thing. Uh, We may have specific resources, uh, or we may not, but that's one of the aspects of uh, sort of uh, canvassing the membership and bringing some of these things in is 
that may help us pick up and identify some of those particular issues. And John, the, you know, to add to that, oh, sorry, Drew, to add no, to go that, ahead. Brett, you know, Brett has a good point on from the legal team. That's one of the things that we've also tried to do is how we've diversified our own board. So, because not only do you have a legal advisory committee that Brett's chairing, you've also got board members, you know, there's 18, 16 of us, and there's 16 different states. I think there's a few of us in the same state. So, but you've got a pretty decent variety of people from across the, the nation as well that, you know, if, if you know that your board member happens to be in your same state or in a different state, you can reach out to them personally as well through that Facebook group. So, yeah, we've really tried to figure out ways that we can cover as much territory as possible. And hopefully one day we'll, we'll be able to grow as an association enough that we'll be able to start having regional areas or regional, uh, you know, like a, a, a person from the board who's specifically over a region so they can at least know more information in that space. So. I think that's a great idea. And, and and you briefly, very, very briefly mentioned the Facebook. There is also a members only Facebook group. And I have, um, you know, gotten great use out of that as well. It helps to keep me up on, because I don't have time to always go and check the website. But if you guys have something new coming out or um, something's getting ready to happen, you know, the little blurbs on that members only is really great. So that's another benefit that you have with the, with your membership. That's good to hear. Yeah, we um, we figured if if we can reduce as many limiting factors as possible, we're going to do that. And the Facebook group seem to be one of the ways to do that. So if people need to re- find a resource quickly, they can post it and boom, there's people who can chime in. They need to get a hold of a board member. Boom, they can pull them up and just direct message. So we've really tried to figure out ways that we can do that. So I'm, that makes me really happy to hear that that's been working out for you. So that's, that, that's exactly the goal. So where you guys go from here? What's the future looking like for HIA? Well, the future is, uh, as they say, we're going to need some shades because um, I think we're, you know, we, we're doing okay. We've, you know, we know that we have, we've been working through COVID. Um, we've got some really good plans in place. In fact, we just released the uh, HAA uh, 2.0 plan as part of our three-year strategic plan. We did our state of the industry report. We kind of did a little report card from uh, Transworld. And you know, I the numbers are really exciting. <clears throat> we had even if you look at, in fact, I'm sure um, Drew, you'll be able to link the, the, we have a recording and uh, from Haunted Attraction Network, there's the recording audio and then there's also the slides they've actually put in PowerPoint. So we have all of that data that's available because even the slides you'll be able to see, there's been almost a 42% increase in, you know, like John and what you're saying about, I wish I would have known that this isn't just for the big folks, that there really is so many resources available for small and middle attractions, even for home haunts. And we're seeing a 42% increase in people saying that they feel like their return on investment of being a member is at this point is just really, really great to see. We've been working really hard on making sure that's happening. Obviously we, uh, you know, diversifying our board. We brought in five new board members this year. Each of them have specific uh, skills and unique knowledge that is very different from the rest of them and from us as a board. And so, you know, we've mentioned a little bit about Brent, you know, Brent Wilson brought on some really great legal connections, especially in the leasing area. So we're really excited about that. We've got other folks that are going to be coming on. And even as we look at, you know, when we, or when we uh, went over the state of the industry from Transworld in, in just a couple of months or just about a month ago, goodness, we, you know, we did a report card about, we said we were going to do these goals. 
did we get them done? Um, I, I think accountability is very important. And uh, we were happy to report that we not only were able to get all of our 2021 goals done, but we also got some of our 2022s already in motion during 2021. So we're really excited to see that things are moving in the right direction. There's certainly a lot that's coming as we look at what's going to happen in the future. We've got a really exciting data, um, a lot of data points um, from this, this industry survey that Cody's been working on uh, with Philip Hernandez from HAN. So we're excited about that. That's going to be happening pretty soon. Uh, obviously, more resources are going to be coming out. We're excited about um, how we can diversify those even more. And one of the things you know that happened last year, we did a couple of what we called mixers or some online uh, kind of Zooms, like some really structured but also informal ways to just network. I think there's nothing better than belonging to a group where you um, you can share ideas. You can be the teacher, but you can also be the learner. And that certainly, I think, is the space for HAA. So we're going to be doing more of those mixers this year. Um, Jim Warner from Penhurst is actually going to put together, from Penhurst Asylum, he's going to put together an entire year's worth of every month a mixer, different content, different uh, facilitators. Some of them are going to be board members. Some of them are going to be member specific about just talking about content that people have been wanting to know more information about. And of course, there's things about how, you know, how do we connect vendors to buyers or to members? We need, we're going to work on that a little bit more chaos uh, certification. We want to be able to create, not only we have, you know, we have this main four hour block that will always be only exclusively at Transworld, but we also want to figure out how do we get more people trained? And so every one of these other areas, you know, we're looking at how we can grow two or three conferences this year where we can either send a board member or we can certify a chaos credit at that location. So the idea is that we want more people to be chaos certified so that the industry is safer. So we all know what to do. So we all can benefit in case there is a crisis rather than, you know, the opposite. When something happens to one of us, it's going to happen to all of us. If that's negative, then hopefully we're, we're all ready for it. But if it's positive or, you know, if it is, even if it is negative, we can be proactive and, and all work together. So there's a lot, there's a lot that's coming both past, present and future, but we're really excited um, with where things are going. I was going to say, we talked about some amazing resources uh, that you guys have available with it. Uh, one of the ones I'm interested in, of course, is, you know, marketing and advertising, what resources you guys offer. I mean, we we're talking earlier, a uh, couple of us after we get off of uh, this roundtable, our plans is to go stream the Batman later. You know, entertainment's uh, really changed. And I think with that, we're going to see a lot of changes in competition and uh, demand for that Friday and Saturday audience. Um, you know, even with movie theaters where, you know, the demand was different, they're going to be after that key audience. What type of marketing and advertising resources do you guys have to haunt owners and operators? Storm, that's a really great question. Um, so on top of our marketing advisory committee that um, is really looking at better ways of how we can market to our group, to both internally, how do we, in, how do we as an association market to members, non-members, people in the industry? But then to your, to your point, how do we as members market to our own local markets? Um, there's certainly a lot of strategy that's there. There's some resources that are available inside the library. And one of the things that we also did is we brought on a couple of folks, you know, that have helped with marketing specifically in the past. So on that marketing committee, we have Fearworm. Um, I think a lot of times the industry, very similar to the stereotype about the HAA, 
is fear worm is kind of like a, uh, it's for the big dogs only. Um, the reality is that they have a lot of really great talent pool. And so they have volunteered their time and resources. In fact, there's also an, there's a members only training. It's an hour long training just from the fear worm team. It's about a $4,000 consult from them for free about how to do a, B, C, D, E, F, G, how to line it up, how to get ready for your season, how to make sure that you have the right ducks in the right rows in the right line to make sure that you'll get the maximum benefit from your media. Uh, we're also working with Philip Hernandez from the HAN from the Haunted Attraction Network. Uh, he's going to be teaching a press release class this year on how to write a press release. Uh, I, I was blown away in the um, Jeremy Karchner, who teaches the or who was our HAA crisis intervention person. We haven't even really talked about that benefit too much about on the legal side. Brett talked about it, but on the uh, the resource side. Jeremy's team is available um, 24-7 in case there is a crisis, whatever, you know, if it's a fire or a shooting. So that's another benefit. But during his class at Transworld, he asked, you know, a, probably a room of two, 300 people, how many of you have ever written a press release? And two hands went up. And I had a sheer moment of terror for that split second and realized we need to figure out how to do that. And so we connected a couple of resources and it just happened to be the same day. We were talking to, um, to Philip about press releases in general, and he volunteered to teach it. And man, we put him right on that. So, so that's a really good way of how we're just kind of connecting members together. If there's really great resources that are there, you know, Jonna, you mentioned that you filled out the link already about, Hey, um, I, whatever I can do to volunteer, I'm here. And so we're kind of trying to play matchmaker in our industry about if we know that there's someone who has skills and there's other members who are saying that they want those skills or they want that knowledge, how do we connect that together and foster that so that people can learn? So we're really excited about how those are evolving. I really like how you guys are being so um, not only proactive, which is critical in this business, but reactive. You know, you, you immediately saw that the press release issue was, was something that needed to be addressed and you guys just jumped right on it. Um, it didn't, you know, if you're in the corporate world, like I've been in, um, you know, someone could have a real need for something. Someone could have a great solution to that. And then it takes a year and a half to go through 20 bazillion board me meetings and committees and, you know, everything else. And I love that you guys, you see something that needs to be taken care of and you just do it. And, and I commend you guys for that. Well, thanks. As a, as a podcast that talks about the news in the industry, yes, it is so nice to to know that that's being addressed because you know people send us news. Sometimes it's just a a copy of a flyer that says, "Hey, we're open Friday the thirteenth," and there's a website. And how do I build a paragraph to read off on the news off of that? Sometimes it doesn't even tell me where you are. You know, it might be Bob's scary haunted house and there's nothing. <laughs> and I can't even find, you know, your location on a website. And, and that's a pet peeve of mine. I see so many Facebook profiles and websites that don't even address where you're located. As far as basic information, you might say, we're the scariest haunt in the Tri-County area. Well, great. I'm sure there's a lot of Tri-Counties in the United States or other. And, you know, I've, I've had to do some digging just to say, hey, Bob's Scary House in 
I don't know, Paramus, New Jersey, or, you know, Walla Walla, Washington is, is doing a Friday the 13th event. So, you know, having that as a press release and all the haunts out there, our email address is news at bigscaryshow.com. Please add us to your press release list and email list because, Without you sending us news, it's it's kind of hard sometimes to create deadline news or big scary news. So, I, I'm very happy to uh, to hear about that. And we definitely couldn't leave the topic of uh, what marketing resources the HA brings to the membership without discussing our national PR campaign. Yes, uh, which is one of the older programs we've had and sort of one of our cornerstones. Yeah, and that you know one of the exciting things about that as well is that. You know, when we look at how the the national press releases and what that campaign is designed to do, it, you know, sometimes it's really easy to throw the blanket out there nationally, but we want to be able to get it to the local. And so we, we have this national firm that we've used for years. They've worked really well, but they kind of were simmering out. And so we brought on a new consult team and that has really been beneficial to where we had a lot of local uh, media coverage that picked up on that national this year. And it blew it out of the water. And we had a lot of haunted houses that, that got some really great traction. Similarly, with the Top Haunts program, one of our other cornerstones, when you're a Top Haunts winner, um, there's, you know, there's certain criteria that you have to meet to be able to do that. But we not only send that out again on the national press release, but we also send that to local media. Um, each, each winner gets a chance to send to like five different local folks. So we're really working hard on figuring out ways that we can connect national media with local media with all the haunted houses. And so it's been a, it's been a really hard strategy um, to kind of figure out, as we all know, the marketing algorithm seems to change every day, but we're working on it. And it's been really beneficial to see how people are benefiting from that national PR campaign that's been historically, goodness, it's been around for forever and, um, and yeah. be able to see how that's happening. So it's been really great. And then the final link in that chain is educate. You know, our, our three pillars are promote, protect, and educate. Uh, under the educate column is educating our members uh, from small haunted houses uh, on up how to have a media kit together, uh, how to have those resources available. Uh, Drew, you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, as a reporter or as someone working with that, you need that information handy. You don't have time to go research, and you're not going to if the second haunt on the line provided it for you. So educating those people, look, you've got to have Dropbox, wherever you want to put it, a great directory of high-res photography available to these people. You need a sort of blanket uh, statement about who you are, what you are, the history that's available, and just how to have those resources available because we can do all that. We can send all these things out and we can send all these press releases out, but when the rubber hits the road, you've got to be able to fire back the information that those folks want. And uh, it's, it's only when all three of those things hit in conjunction that you, you get that coverage. Yeah. Well said, Brett. Um, well, thank you on that. And uh, please, please, please send us your website, send us your Instagram accounts, send us your Facebook, send us your TikTok. you know, however you're advertising, not just, not just your website if you have it, because you know your demographic right now is all on TikTok these days or Instagram. Um, you know, Facebook is kind of going the way of the dodo, or old folks like me use it a lot. And you know, Twitter's Twitter's Twitter. So, you know, 
that's how we're reaching people, you know? So if you have some news or whatever, you know, plenty of resources out there to get it to us, but let us get that out to the public as well. So can't go wrong with that. I'm looking at the clock here. We probably should start winding this down. I have probably one final question here and uh, see if any of the other hosts have a question, but um, is the haunted attraction industry too diverse to have a quote unquote national set of standards based on, you know, what works in Indiana may not work in Michigan, may not work in Utah or otherwise or is there a possibility, like like the chaos training seminars, is is that basically a national thing now to where if you're chaos certified in Texas, does that work if you're haunt, you know, if you're a haunt owner in Oregon? Does it work if you're in Florida? Or does it still, or is it too diverse to actually come up with a quote unquote national set of standards? Well, I, I think you're, you know, it's sort of a minimum set of standards is what it is. And then some jurisdictions may require more, but uh, I think the chaos program does a really good job of educating you on the, the least you're going to have to do and be aware of and be on. And then you may have a local fire marshal who has some really great additional ideas on top of that. Uh, but I think the chaos program, uh, it's gaining some real traction among insurance carriers and among local fire marshals and state uh, fires, state fire marshals offices and Homeland Security departments. Um, it means something. And uh, when you tell your fire marshal, hey, you know, I'm a new haunt. I've only been here a year or two or this is going to be my first year, but I've already done this chaos certification uh, that carries some weight and, and that'll that'll get you on the right foot. Um, and like I say, no, it's not possible to, there's no national standard that's going to apply in minute detail to every jurisdiction. Uh, but there's certainly a national minimum standard, uh, you could call it. And then you may have additional things, you know, some jurisdictions require a second set of exit, of lighted exit signs down low, uh, in case you're crawling and there's smoke. Uh, a lot of jurisdictions don't, those sorts of things. Um, but the basics we can certainly bring you up to speed on. Uh, any final questions from the hosts? Questions from me? No, I think we covered a lot of great aspects and, you know, a lot of key points on why Haunt Attractions need to associate and thus the Haunt Attraction Association. Donna, any last things there? No, I think they, they covered all of my questions and, um, like I said, I'm, I'm really excited that they're going to be doing some more things geared towards smaller haunts um, and that it is very inclusive to all, all types of haunts and all sizes. So I'm excited to be a part of it. Excellent. I'm going to ask the, uh, the guests to give me their best used car salesman here and tell us why somebody should join the HAA. Uh, Brett, let's start with you. Give us your best sales pitch. Because the HAA promotes, protects, and educates the industry. And uh, we are the, the only organization out there working to do all of those things. And if, to the extent you're in the industry, uh, you need to see the industry be as healthy as possible. Excellent. Cody, how about you? Sell us. Ditto what Brett said, but then add on to, uh, because of the resources that we're doing and we're getting ready to add on a ton more, like uh, Spencer mentioned, our benchmark report, which I think is really going to be eye-opening for a lot of operators. 
All right, Spencer, give us your best used car salesman here. Why should I, maybe not even as an owner, why should an actor or why should a manager or somebody who is not directly involved in the ownership of a haunted house join? I, I think one of the best things I can think of is, you know, we've all been, we've all been excluded from a group at one point in time or another and some point in our life, whether I was kindergarten or last week. Um, what I think the HAA is striving to do is to create a space where we can bring everyone together. It doesn't matter who you are, um, whether you, you are an operator or an owner or a makeup artist or a janitor, you know, whatever it is, there are other people in this industry like you who are part of this association. And when you can connect with them and build that network, you're stronger, you're going to learn more, we're going to gain more, and we'll all be stronger together. So I think between you know, all of those things that it's a network, you've got resources, you've got connections, you've got all of the things all tied together in one nice package. And that's the goal is that we, you know, when the, when the tide rises, we all float higher. So here we go. Well, I'm sold. And we hope you are too out there. So for people wanting more information about the Haunted Attraction or Association that benefits everybody in the industry to a point, um, how can people get more information? How can people find out, you know, access to a lot of the, the streaming, the things like the sexual harassment training or the resource library? How can they join? Are there basic memberships? Are there, you know, tiers of memberships, not just based on income, but based on level of access? How can people get more information? Well, our website, <clears throat> our website is certainly the easiest way to do that, which is the haunted attraction association.com. Uh, likewise on Facebook. Um, certainly that's, I, I, even though maybe the old folks are still using it more, as you said, Drew, but there's a lot of young folks still using it. So jump on Facebook. It's the haunted attraction association. That's where a lot of our content is going to be. Uh, if you're not liking it, if you're not following that, you should be, if you're in this industry. Um, and of course, once you become a member, then you also have our portal and that Facebook met that group um, is where you can literally post and chime and say, Hey, is I'm having this issue. Has anybody else had that issue before? And folks can help out and kind of connect the dots. So there's a lot of different ways of being able to do that. Also on our website, hauntedattractionassociation.com, you'll see our memberships. Um, there's three levels, very simple. There's a $50 individual uh, membership. That's for makeup artists. That's for builders, for tech crew, you name it. Also for home haunters. There's a small attraction, which is $125. Um, that is if you're making, if you have your, your, your revenue is $100,000 or below. And then the $250 level, if you're $100,000 and above, pretty simple. So those three tiers, $50, $125, and $250. Um, and believe it or not, $250, that's it, is the highest level membership we have. People tell us all the time we should raise that. We are not going to at this point. Um, we want people to be able to afford it. It's not about the money. It's about creating, uh, creating strength and unity and, uh, and fostering a, you know, a way that we can all grow together. So that's how to do it. Do people with the $250 membership, do they have access to things that people with the $50 membership do not? It's all the same. That's the idea is that everyone who essentially, once you're a member, you're a member. And our goal is to take care of you as a member, period. It doesn't matter. You know, I, the more money you have doesn't mean that you get more resources. Absolutely not. In fact, quite the opposite. I expect people who are paying a higher price to be sharing more. Well, ladies and gentlemen out there, the Haunted Attraction Association is out there working for you to make sure that 
the haunted attraction industry is strong. You know, obviously there's still uncertainty with COVID out there. Obviously certain, shall we say, international events happening today could impact the industry. If your haunt needs help, if your haunt has incidents, if your haunt has a crisis, you know, they are there to help you. And the prices, good gracious, for the cost of like, you know, less than a dozen people going through a lot of haunts will pay for your membership for a year. And you really cannot beat that price for all this information. I want to thank all our great guests for all the information they provided. Um, I hope they will give a chance to plug the haunts they are currently working with. Um, maybe some of them have some off-season events going on, halfway to Halloween or Friday the 13th events. Um, this is the part of the show we call the plugs. So let's start with Brett Hayes of Fear Fair. For people wanting more information about Fear Fair, are you doing an off-season event between now and the Halloween season? How can people get more information about your haunt, Brett? We are. We're open May 13th and 14th for halfway to Halloween. Uh, fearfair.com. Uh, Fear Fair on uh, Facebook for the old folks. Fear, Fear Fair on Instagram for the pretty folks. Fear Fair on Twitter for Elon. And uh, Fear Fair 2 on TikTok because some bastard got it before me. <laughs> Damn kids. Excellent. <laughs> so check out. Uh, Cody, how can people find out more information about Hush Haunted House up in Westland, Michigan? Are you running an a off-season haunt? And if not... What is your season? When does it begin? And how can people get more information? Yep, you can get all the information from us at hushhaunt.com. We are not doing a off-season event in May, um, but we do have a new venue that is Legendary Axe Throwing, which you can also get all the information for at legendaryaxethrowing.com. That's open year-round with a full bar. It's fully themed out. Uh, really cool venue. We just opened uh, six weeks ago. And our regular oh. season starts at the end of September. Congratulations on the new axe throwing venue. That sounds fantastic. And uh, once again, that is hushhaunt.com. Yes. And Spencer, how can people in the uh, greater Salt Lake area find out more information about Fear Factory? And do you have an event coming up? We do indeed. Uh, website is fearfactorysLC.com. FearfactorysLC.com. All of our information is there. We just launched our tickets. We are getting ready for a similar uh, halfway to Halloween event, May 13th and 14th. Um, tickets are already going off on fire. So we're excited about it. So um, that's where they can find out more information. Have some fun. Uh, as always, we love uh, we love vis other visiting haunted houses and haunters that want to stop by. Come say hi. Check out the show. Um, we always want to make sure we take care of our fellow haunters. So we'll see you soon. Excellent. FearfactorysLC.com. And of course, we could not do this without our great Coca hosts, including Storm. I can't wait to go, you know, hog the microfiche machine in the HAA resource library. <laughs> Is there a microfiche machine in the resource library? Please tell me you have. Uh, yeah, of course. Right, Cody? <laughs> That's microfiche. <laughs> oh, sorry. Didn't know we were speaking French tonight. <laughs> Couldn't do this also without Meat Hook Jim. Uh, I don't know how to follow that up from Storm because that was just great. Makes you wonder how he comes up with these in advance. I also want to thank our only current HAA member, the old crone, Jonna. 
You'll fry my Facebook out of my cold dead hands, you yucker. I have struck a nerve here tonight. My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte. I'm feeling the pain in my back because I am ancient and wishing I had some of Spencer's delicious chai in my cup right here while I suffer through allergies. This is the Round Table of Terror, proudly sponsored by HauntPay.com. And we'll be right back.
Ohio Haunted House owners, actors, and enthusiasts. Join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. We interrupt this program to bring you the following special announcement. The world's first horror head transplant has failed, and five brain donors have died in the experiment. Now you can see it all at your local theater in Beast of Blood. And on the same show, Curse of the Vampires, both brand new in gory color. You'll see a mad fiend transplant human heads in the Cave of Horrors and encounter stunning, screaming, shocking terror as it lives. A monster's head detached from its body, causing savage and inhuman destruction. More fantastic than science, more shocking than fantasy, the creature without a head, controlled by an insane artificial brain, Beast of Blood. Don't miss Beast of Blood and Curse of the Vampires, both rated GP. for Ask the Old Crone. <laughs> this is the Old Crone with the Big Scary Show and I'm at Transworld 2022. And if you've ever been to any Transworld shows in probably the last 10 years, you have seen this guy either as a makeup model or helping to model props. I'm here with Lucas Turner. Hey, how's it going? Good, how's the show been treating you? Oh, amazing. I wanted to talk to you specifically on as to what it's like to sit and endure someone in your personal space, in your, your personal bubble, and putting all of these contraptions all over you and the airbrushing and everything. What is that like? At first, it was overwhelming to get used to the aspect of it. Like, you know, someone in your personal bubble, someone touching your face constantly, you know, like leaving yourself open for that is one thing. But all in all, the process is definitely worth the outcome. To what degree do you think it helps with you building a character? I believe once you look at yourself in the mirror and the makeup's all done, it's almost like instant in your mind who you are. You know, like you're no longer yourself, you're who you're viewing. And uh, just that inspires me itself, just looking at myself, like pictures of it. Like I have Justin show me just so like, right then I can come up with ideas on how this character would act in certain situations. but. It's like an instant. As soon as you see yourself, you're that character. Yeah, and you do a fabulous job. I've watched many of Justin's demo videos, and I've seen you here um, scaring the bejeebers out of a lot of people, jumping out of you know props and things like that. And it's it's very inspirational um, to me the work that you guys do together. Thank um, you so much. Really great teamwork. Speaking of Justin, let's get him over here. So what are you looking at whenever you're working on a model? What are you? What would you recommend to anyone who wants to be a makeup model or to the hunt actors when they're sitting there and getting made up? I got lucky in finding Lucas. Uh, Lucas actually lives less than a mile from my house. So we, get to, <laughs> we get to get together quite often. And it's like anything else, the more times you do it, the better you're going to get. So when you have a, I would say, partnership like we have, it's almost like, you know, the... I can finish your sentence kind of thing. 
creatively, we, we once we're on the same page, the creation of these characters is very easy. So for makeup artists and models, I would say find someone that you can work with that wants to do the volume that you need to do to be able to get good at something. Because if it wasn't Lucas uh, calling me up and pushing me and Vice saying, versa. "Hey, let's do let's do makeup," uh-huh. you know, I would have been another mediocre makeup artist. Okay, well you're far from mediocre. I will tell you that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you're pretty much self-taught. Yes. So I did take um, a few weekend like workshops and special effects. It wasn't just, um, it wasn't haunt makeup. It wasn't um, specific towards haunt industry even. It was just more generalized special effects. So I took one on sculpting and I took one on uh, foam latex and I took one on like basic makeup which is like finding things around the house to do makeup with but other than that in terms of in the haunt industry yeah I mean we just didn't have a makeup artist and so I jumped in and after the first season people were like oh some of those were really good you should try and pursue that and so it was crazy the progression like watching him progress from the very first makeup till now it's just insane yeah because I would say in, in totality from the very first time we did a foam latex appliance to today is maybe six years. And, and in that time, you have definitely become a leader in, in the industry. People definitely know you. I have watched many of your videos and have really gained a lot of inspiration and education from that. So if anyone wants to look at your videos and kind of follow you guys, where can they find you? Justin, we'll do you first. Well, on Facebook, uh, we have Total Terror TV. That's where most of our makeup videos are archived. But we are in the process of linking Phobius Effect Studios, which is the company, with Total Terror TV, which was just kind of our outlet for a while. So both of those places, um, you can find the majority of our work. Um, if you go to my personal page, just Justin Fears on mm-hmm. Facebook, um, I have some stuff, and then Lucas has a lot of stuff on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, I pretty much have every photo of every makeup we did on my personal page. Yeah, and too. you're you're a great artist in your own right. Oh, thank you very um, much. Yeah. You, you do some some great um, paintings and and things. Um, I really like those as well. Thank so, you very guys, much. this has been an honor for me to talk to both of you. Thank you very much. For I hope Transworld's just great. And absolutely. Best of luck to you guys. Thank, okay? thank, thank you so, so much. much. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Where are we? Jerry Vane takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from Hunstrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're wandering the floors of Transworld, having a grand old time, meeting all the cool kids and all that. They don't get much cooler than this guy. Very, very well-known actor in many circles. If you liked The Walking Dead back when it was cool, and still is cool to a point. He was also in Nashville and a lot of other shows. Actor Santiago Cirillo. Sir, how are you? Hi, y'all. What's up, people? I, I am living life, dude. I am rebounding from all the four years of mess 
and we are back on it in the entertainment business, and it's just going great, brother. Yeah, we're glad to know that Hollywood has opened up again and a lot of other things and a lot of places where they're doing filming stuff. You're here at the Scared City Hauntiques booth. What's going on here? Well, Scared City Hauntiques is also known as Scared City Haunted House in Jonesboro, Arkansas, owned by Scott Bainey, who has now opened a production company to do movies and films in the wonderful state of Arkansas. And we're promoting our movie Slaughtery along with uh, the uh, Scare City Haunted House. So um, I'm very honored. I'm here with my good friend and fellow entertainer man, Mr. Rick Prince, who was on season five of, of Sci-Fi Channel's Face Off. And we're also promoting a movie that I'm uh, connected with him called uh, Convergence, which uh, is pretty cool. He's got a whole setup of... Uh, props and stuff. And I see this like modern-looking jet ski thing over here. Oh, is this dude. something that's going to be used in the movie? Because it yeah. looks like something out of the year 3000. Well, dude, you know, I do horror and paranormal movies, and now I'm into the fantasy world. And this jet ski type thing you look at, man, it is literally a design he made and created. There is no mold and there's no jet ski. He did it himself. As a matter of fact, the remote control and the handles and everything is from a playstation remote control yeah dude and the character is played by rick prince and he also has in this world uh mr john cooley created it uh check out john cooley man he's great and it's a wolf sniper he's got a wolf sniper character that's i mean it's crazy it's got elves and giants (laughs) and everything else in it very nice but does this float i guess i should ask you know um he can make it float Okay. Uh, he can make it. So, in other words, it hadn't been tested yet. No. This is the first time anybody has seen it. And this thing's been locked up, and this is the first time everybody, anybody's seen it, man. Rick Prince is amazing. He's a, a writer, and producer, and all, man. And he's out here sculpting a, a mask right here or a head or something. It looks really, really cool with a lot of spikes and all sorts of neat stuff. So, you know. Yes, oh, I love Darth the eyes Maul, baby, Darth Maul, the eyes and everything. I mean, oh, it is Darth. You got to interview he this didn't man. have the colors on it, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so. he'll tell you the story. Everything that Rick does is connected with a great story and design, whether it's his mind creation or help with others. But he's, you know, he's Darth Maul for the Bible first, dude. He, he looks just like him. It's awesome. Now, last summer I was at CreepyCon in Knoxville and uh, saw a relative of yours, author Blake Best. Yeah. Who just completed a book called Fathom. He was doing uh, a little bit of promoting on that and everything. How's um, how's the relationship? You guys were you guys able to see each other during COVID and stuff like no, that? No, man. Or? We keep in touch through um, you know social media, and I uh, did an interview with him and helped promote his books and his appearances. You know, the guy's a musician. This guy's so damn talented. Blake is just some amazing man, and uh, you know we talk here and there. Um, promoting stuff and having them give we share ideas you know that's nice. what we have to do yeah, absolutely and speaking of things to do what have you got in the works you know you're in the walking dead for uh, for a while and you know we know what happened there we won't talk about that but uh <laughs> you know what what have you got coming in the works besides this movie convergence i mean you know you you said you've been doing a lot of horror stuff and a lot of sci-fi and all that what's what's a uh, Coming down the pike, say, for the rest of the Man, year. Man, believe it or not, uh, uh, I'm walking on air. Ha! Huh! Anyway, but uh, I just finished a movie with Eric Roberts. Uh, it is called The Company We Keep. It's based on a, it's a horror thriller. 
Um, it's based on a true story. There's more to it. I can't release much, but it has been filmed, and it'll nice. be out hopefully later in the late of the year. Is it um, going to be on a streaming service, or is it looking for theatrical? Uh, we're doing both because oh, nice. uh, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy, man. But uh, it is definitely horror and thriller kind of deal. Um, I also uh, finished executive producing and a little co-star like my Stephen King kind of appearance in a TV show, eight mini eight episode miniseries called Searchers, which is a thriller horror mystery, and it'll be out soon. We're in negotiations with a well-known uh, distribution company and uh, service out there, so we're very happy that's being done, and we're filming Slottery in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We're already approved for a second movie, and um, I'm also uh, promoting Zombie Headhunter. The uh, Zombie Book 1 is out Top, um, I think it's like top 20 in, on Amazon for horror and sci-fi. And we're on book two, comes out this fall. We're writing book three. Going to a graphic novel and perhaps a TV show. You, and wrote, you wrote that book with Kendra Souter. Kendra Souter, man. Look, independent artists, I've met so many. Kendra Souter, not only she had her firstborn, uh, being a mom... Uh, her husband uh, was going through some illness. He had his second, his final leg, of course, amputated. He's a double amputee now. Um, and this is all through the COVID stuff, man. And same time, she's contacting me about the book. And I'm going, Kendra, family first, man. It's not family first. You know, good energy has to be around through all these situations that we've been going through. But, of and course, she ignored you, and you yeah, have to write the book she's, anyway. She's so. already <laughs> almost done with the second book, throwing chapters at me. So um, we're, we're working real hard on it, man, and uh, very blessed. We're doing a TV show called Smoke, uh, half man, half ghost superhero I created. And uh, we're there's so much stuff going on, but, you know, the great thing is that it's going on. Yes. You know, it's going on. Work is work, and especially over the last couple of years, I can only imagine the complications of being a professional actor in a COVID-laden world. But thankfully, it looks like most of it is is opening back up, and we're able to get back and film again and, and release books and release TV shows and yep. movies and things. So, yep, yep. all I mean, things considered, man, you weathered the storm well. Dude, I did. I mean, it's the real world, yeah, and, and there's no shame. You know, I... I I have a, a, a part-time job at UPS at night, you know, just to make some ends meet and get all the health insurance and everything to sure. still be blessed to do uh, the entertainment stuff, man. And I'm going to continue doing it, um, not just in the horror and the paranormal world, but uh, also in the Haya Nation world where we continue to go against negativity, against suicide, against bullying and it's going real big, man, and I hope everybody joins what I'm doing. Very nice. Um, for your fans that want to keep up with maybe your latest appearances, maybe you're making an appearance at a con down the road or an event or anything like that, where are some websites or social medias where we can find out more about some of the books coming out, the TV show, the movie Convergence, as you have updates, and everything all about the life of Santiago. Man, Cirillo. social media, social media. You could Google my name. But uh, social media, you know, I'm all over it. I control it. Uh, and I just started uh, TikTok. So I got Instagram. I got Facebook. I got Twitter. And, um, yeah, you could just holler at me or, or 
do what you can to get connected with me. And um, like I said, I do stuff for the entertainment business, but I also do things for the fans to help them because I know they went through a lot, you know, a lot to, of a lockdown. And, and, and I'm here to, to express that we as entertainers love you and believe in you and understand the situation and hopefully we can continue to grow and have a great relationship in this world, man. Well, everybody, look up Santiago Cirillo. It's C-I-R-I-L-O. Santiago Cirillo, all pleasure to speak to you again. It's an honor. Hi-ya, baby. Maybe we'll catch you at another creepy con with your relative Blake Best, who we'll probably see oh, in dude. Knoxville later this summer. And uh, you wish nothing but success on these movies coming out, the books and all the TV stuff and everything. Yes, sir. Yes, Entertainment, sir. man. Once again, folks, Drew Badger, we're here live on the floor of Transworld in St. Louis, Missouri for the Big Scary Show. And we're out. Music for Haunts, Storm Vampire Castle on the Big Scary Show.
dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karen. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karen. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karen. V-O-N-C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios. Creepy Collection. Dark Imaginings. Fright Finder. Haunt Pay. Von Caron Productions and VFX Creates. We'd also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse. And we couldn't do this without the three hosts, including Badger, Haunt Consulting and more, rabidbadger.org. Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at wrestlehorror.com. And Storm, Rants and more, hauntminute.com and finally you the listener without you we are nothing the big scary show is copyright big scary show llc and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners all music used on the big scary show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves